Hey everybody, this is Jeff Ashkin, Los Angeles, California, with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. It's the podcast with the oddcast, the download with the lowdown, coast to coast to coast. Did you just come up with that new intro? <laughs> Actually, that was on the template I sent you guys. All right, so first order of business, this is important. So I have to make sure that everyone knows this. Today, April 10th, mm-hmm. is Roy's birthday. <laughs> and I think Derek and I need to Ugh. say something to Roy on the air. No. <laughs> you know, ready, Derek? One, <laughs> two. Stop. Happy, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. So, Roy, I, I, uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to say I appreciate your friendship ever since we met in middle school. Uh, we, we, met er, we met earlier than that, by the way. Oh, well, then I don't really remember that. <laughs> but thank you for uh, appreciating uh up until uh, a certain point. Yeah, yeah, that was when I really started paying attention to you. But um, yeah, it's good to uh, always have you around. You know, you're you're uh, good for some laughs. You're always funny. You're always interesting. So um, I appreciate you being a friend and and for coming to both of my weddings. That was pretty. Right. Cool to the oh, same person. I, I'm not. I'm, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Got married the same person twice that's in two the, different places. That's a good good distinction. For all our listeners around the world. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Roy, I also want to say that, you know, you've always been there for me. You're a great friend and a great person. And um, I uh, I just I can't imagine a world without you in it. So I'm glad that you're you're celebrating whatever year this is in your <laughs> timeline. And uh, I just turned twenty one. <laughs> No, I, I just don't like uh, having all the attention on me, and I don't like um, I don't like any day where a social convention requires me to do something or other people to do something for me. I, I don't like uh, those demands placed upon me or others. So, do you pressure. celebrate with? Uh like your significant other do, do or do you say i don't want anything uh well this year was very convenient because there's a pandemic <laughs> uh, so it was very easy to get out of anything because nothing is open True. um so so my girlfriend was like oh i'm sorry but i guess we're not going out anywhere for your birthday and uh and i pretended to be disappointed uh, but i wasn't <laughs> disappointed uh, I'm perfectly fine uh, just staying at home. I got my girlfriend flowers delivered at work. You know, the very kind of mm-hmm. stereotypical surpriser girlfriend with flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made it a point to get them on a random day, like August 13th, <laughs> the most <laughs> random day you could think of. Um, and then the next Valentine's Day, my girlfriend was like, it's Valentine's Day. Why, why don't you get me flowers for Valentine's Day? And I, I was just very opposed to that. 
because like social convention required me to do something that day. And so I didn't want to do it on that day. I was not opposed to doing some nice gesture, mm. but being forced to do it on Valentine's right. Day uh, yeah, the wrong way. You know, it's interesting because me, you know, living in Japan, um, there's a lot, there's so many different conventions and quote unquote holidays, um, which don't necessarily overlap with our traditions. For example, on Valentine's Day, a lot of people ask me if Valentine's Day is celebrated in Japan. And the answer is kind of because on February 14th, they do have uh, a Valentine's Day type of thing but the tradition is for girls to buy chocolate to the guys that they like or just guys that they feel um obligated to buy for like their co-workers and it's interesting because like there's just like all of these temporary chocolate stores that pop up like everywhere and they're really expensive so <laughs> it's really like this cash grab and people feel so obligated to buy chocolate. Yeah, I guess for me, uh, every day is Valentine's Day, <laughs> except for Valentine's Day, <laughs> which is the one exception to that rule. That's the contrarian's view <laughs> for all you listeners. Well, that's just the impression I get. Oh, and speaking of impressions, it's time for our fun fact of the day. When yeah, do we know. start doing fun facts of the day? It's on the template. Did anyone read the template at all? <laughs> Just kidding. The fun fact of the day is people develop their first impressions of you in a tenth of a second. Now, you call that the fun fact of the day. But when I heard that, I found it very depressing. Mm -hmm. to fun. Uh, to think that, uh, like, all the work you do on yourself as a person, like, you develop your personality, you try to be a kind, compassionate person. But then you're being judged uh, in one tenth of a second, and all of that goes out the window. And they're like, "This person sucks," based on uh, I don't know. You have something in your beard or something like that. Well, um, talking to someone is your chance to show them with through your suave personality that you are not who they expected. And uh, just because you have food in your beard doesn't make you. I didn't mean to imply that I walk around with food in my beard. No, I have had food in my beard on many occasions. Um, but I, I would hate for that to be uh, the first thing that people judge me on, uh, as opposed to uh, my rapier sharp wit or some other aspect of me. Hey, if, I, if I met a guy who had food in his beard and then like said like a really witty line to me, I'd be like, wow. I should not have judged him by the food in his beard. Okay, for the first topic, we have this year marks the 70th anniversary of the Turing test. This is the test of a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to or indistinguishable from that of a human. So the question I pose to my co-host today is, can robots and humans work together cohesively? I mean, if an AI machine has no pain receptors, is it okay if I kick it? What do you guys think? Um, what do you think of self-driving cars, which, uh, it seems like in the long term that will become the future, uh, autonomous driving, uh, 
people are le- will be less likely to own their own vehicles. If you need to go somewhere, you'll just get a self-driving car to pick you up and take you there. Um, so one, uh, would you feel safe uh, riding in such a vehicle that you weren't in control of? And two, are you at all concerned about uh, an iRobot type scenario where the car is like, you are now experiencing an accident. And then uh, all of a sudden the car uh, uh, disappears you uh, and you're never heard from again. I think that autonomous driving is something that will gradually become the norm. And people who are like maybe the generation, maybe like our grandchildren, two generations ahead, will probably look back and think, I can't believe you let humans drive cars during your generation. That sounds crazy and unreliable. Because how, even if you're a good driver, how could you be sure that the people around you are good drivers and they're not drunk or impaired? And I think people will think that that'll be one of the weird things that people look at at our culture is how we, first of all, were ever opposed to automated driving in the first place and how um, we let ourselves get behind the wheel um, despite the high possibility of human error. So anyway, moving on to our next topic. Arcade games introduce the concept of extra lives. You put more tokens or quarters in the machine and you get more tries to win the game. If extra lives were a thing in the real world, how would you get them? Not like how would you use them if you had them, but how would you get them? (laughs) I also thought that that was the direction because you could buy them. Was going to go. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll pose it. I'll pose it two ways. I would say, how would you use them, and how would you get them? You would and, get them just how you get anything in this world by spending an exorbitant amount of money. So the, you're saying that the people would have the most extra lives would be clearly the rich. Of course. So there wouldn't be any sort of way we could get them. And let's say in the real in the real world. I guess we could say we could find out who is actually giving them out. And maybe if money wasn't, if let's say money wasn't a factor, let's say no matter how rich you were, you couldn't get, you couldn't just buy your extra lives. Could there be like some sort of karmic type test to get them? Or it doesn't matter. You just, you know, it'd be some arbitrary way of getting them. What do you think? Try a question first. That's the easy question first. Well, you know, you know, what's interesting about this question is uh, you've basically uh, just described religion for the most part, because uh, that's kind of, if you think about it, when you talk about Christianity, I, I'm not Christian, so everything I say from here on out could be really ignorant, but, <laughs> but the idea is that um, you kind of live your life on earth as, as a, as a pious uh, uh, you know, good human being doing good deeds uh, with the idea that doing so will get you into the afterlife, essentially the extra life that you're talking about. Right. And, and so the idea how you get the reward of the afterlife is by doing uh, so-called good deeds. Well, I guess, I guess there's some debate on uh, whether all these deeds are, are good or not so good. But the idea is that there's kind of a, a prescriptive set of rules to follow uh, in order to get this extra life. 
so to speak. I mean, that, that's kind of what heaven is. It's like an extra life. Um, so, so that exists now. Well, not for me, because I'm Jewish. But uh, for, for other people, uh, they probably already operate with that mindset. Mm. Yeah. I would say with extra lives, the idea of extra lives for me, when I read this first, like I was curious about if they meant like through like good deeds, do you get extra lives? But like what constitutes an extra life? Like what good deed would you do? Like, does that mean that you'd have to like save someone else's life? So you get a life. Does that mean you just have to like hold the door open for like a bunch of people? Maybe two people is not enough. Maybe like a and whole if train. Were, if you were doing that, um, would that really be an altruistic act or would you just be doing that because you thought you'd get an extra life for it? And well, if that's the case, so. then would it really be a good deed? So if you, if you knew, that's a good, see, Derek poses a very interesting question. What, should you do a good deed? Uh, ex, well, should you do a good deed for reasons that aren't pure of heart? Well, that's the question of like, is there such thing as, as genuine altruism? Right. right. That's uh, What do you think, Roy? Uh, yes, I exhibit it all the time out of the goodness of my heart. Um, of course. What, uh, genuine altruism? I don't know. It all, uh, does it matter? Like why, what do you think? why you do a good thing? Does it matter, Derek? You posed it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think you can uh, do a good thing and... Uh, you could really mean it. I think there is a, such a thing as true altruism. Um, Let's say that you didn't do a good deed just for the sake of doing a good deed. You did it. You did it because you wanted something, or you wanted the attention of someone, or it wasn't a, a purely, you know, uh, altruistic intention. Does but if the benefit is still bestowed upon the recipient, then I think it's still, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Is there anything you want to recommend? Any book or movie or album you're listening to? Yeah, I, I, I guess I'll go first. Um, so the last two times I introduced some music from Japan, and I would like to introduce some music again, but not from Japan. I would like to recommend um, my favorite band coming out of the state of Rhode Island. <laughs> um. I'm sure there's a lot of bands going through your mind right now, but I'll just let the cat out of the bag. Um, there's a band called The Deer Hunter. Cool. Have you heard of them? I heard of the movie. Yeah, yeah so it's not the movie The Deer Hunter with Robert De Niro. Uh, and it's not, there's another band called Deer Hunter. And it's not them either. Uh, um, it's a band called, actually, the Deer Hunter, like D-E-A-R. And uh, it's a band that is, uh, to describe their music, it's kind of like progressive rock, but they, have, they branch out into a lot of different styles, and they have this project where it's called The Acts, A-C-T-S. Like, they have six acts, and each, it's like this long story arc, and every album is a continuation to the story. And um, they also have an, an album called The Color Spectrum. It's nine EPs, and each EP corresponds to a different color of the spectrum. So there's like black, red, green, 
etc. And like black is like industrial metal and red is grunge and green is folk rock and they're all different shades of rock, but the music evokes that color. So it's this really creative band. I, I just think they're so awesome. And the reason I mention them is because I think the amount of attention that they are getting is grossly improportional in proportionate to how good they are as a band. And I just want to try to correct that. And I want more people to listen to them. I think they're really, really cool. I'm sorry, I didn't know if you mentioned, what was the name of the album? That, did you, is there an album that you wanted to listen to? Specifically, I didn't um, I mean, musically, I would say Act Four. Act Four, okay. Of all of their albums is my favorite. But um, if you listen to that and you like it, you'll probably like the rest of their stuff too. Sounds good. Very cool. If you could compare them to a more well-known band, uh, what would you say they sound similar to? Mm. Oh, it's it's hard to match them up tick for tat with another tip for tat with another band because they're they're just so musically diverse. Their, their music it's like. 60% rock and then ele there's elements of classical and there's elements of hard rock and there's some some jazz and, and blues and folk influences sprinkled throughout, but it's not specific to one type of rock. It's it's just it's just very diverse and that's one of the things I like about them. And I think the singer and lead composer, um, Casey Crescendo, is just incredible. I, he he comes up with so many interesting musical ideas. And it always, he never fails to surprise me with his music. And, and then I just feel like no one's heard of them. I never have a chance to talk about their music with anyone because I, I don't know anyone else who knows them, about them. So that was what prompted me to share them uh, with you guys. Well, thanks. Um, Roy, anything you're uh, reading or seeing or listening to? Uh, read or sing or listening to. Uh, well, as you know, I'm a, I'm a, like 10 years behind the times for everything. Uh, so you guys heard a Shark Tank? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like to see, uh, people's weird ideas. Um, and I like to see, uh, the, the, the business aspect of it, like, like all the, all the factors that the sharks are taking into account when they try to decide. Uh, you know, if this is a good business venture for them. Um, yeah. And uh, the last the last episode I saw, the guy's invention, which I thought was timely, was um, uh, nasal protectors. So mm -hmm. there are these stickers that you put on your nostrils and they, they just stick to your nostrils and they cover them. Um, and uh, yeah, it protects against its viruses, among other things, uh, as well as allergens and I guess anything that would go up your nose that you don't want there. Um, and uh, yeah, he pitched that idea, and and he got I think he got a uh, Mark Cuban to uh, to give him a bunch of money for it. But uh, one comment that the guy made uh, that I thought was interesting was. Uh, so, you know, the sharks, they, they grill the guy on, on every aspect of his business. So the sharks asked him, um, why are you looking for us to help sell this product? Why don't you team with uh, a healthcare provider 
and and sell your product, these nasal covers to the healthcare providers um, and, and make all your money that way. Isn't that a lot simpler? And uh, his, his response, I thought was interesting. He said, uh, he did go to the healthcare providers trying to build a partnership with them. And what they all said, uh, like in unison, was uh, we have no interest in selling your product for a dollar a pop to prevent people from getting sick <laughs> when we could just book appointments to cure people's symptoms for like $100 a pop. Uh, why would we, you're our comp, they're like, you're our comp, our competition. Uh, why would we like, we want to destroy you so that uh, we don't lose our business. And uh, and all the sharks were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like they all understood, you know, because they have the shark mindset. Uh, so they're like, yeah, yeah, we believe that. Um, anyway, I thought it was like a, a very uh, good microcosm of kind of the world we live in. Uh, that he tried to sell it to the healthcare industry and they were like, no, that's way too effective for us. We don't want that. Yeah. It's pretty sad. I do yeah. like the fact that there is a show that promotes invention and discussion about, you know, what we can use in society rather than, you know, another show about people being young, rich and beautiful. You know, I, I, I do like the inventiveness of the, uh, the people who come on the show. So, no, I should, I should watch it. I know my brother really likes that show a lot. So, Roy, have you, do you have any inventions you you bring to Shark Tank? Uh, well, you really, I mean, you need a full-fledged business, right? They're, they're not about, like, uh, like here's glasses with windshield wipers on them. Yeah, it's got to be more fleshed <laughs> out than that. Idea. Um, that. That is my idea, <laughs> yeah. Don't you hate when you get water on your glasses? <laughs> um, well, what if they had wipers? Um no, that was actually, I think in, in uh, fifth grade, we had to come up with an invention, and that was my invention. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know what's crazy is that uh, going back to fifth grade, uh, when we had to do these inventions, uh, there was a girl in the class who made an invention uh, that actually worked. Like, it wasn't a prototype. Like, my glasses were just pipe cleaners attached to uh, uh, glasses. It, it didn't really clean your glasses. Uh, but this girl actually made... Uh, what she did is she took a stapler and she colored the staplers inside. She color coded them uh, like green if you were at the beginning of your stack of staples, yellow if you were like halfway done, and red if you were running low on staples. Mm. And if you got a red staple, then you knew that it was now time to, to replace uh, your staples because uh, you were about to run out of them. Uh, because isn't it annoying when uh, you just you staple something, assuming that there'll be uh, endless staples inside, and then uh, there's nothing in there, right? Yeah, it's, it's one of my main fears each day. It's, it's a huge life uh, problem that we deal with. Um, <laughs> so I, I just thought it was interesting because she actually color-coded them, and it worked. Like, you could use it right there, and she was in fifth grade. And uh, I don't know if she became a millionaire from that or what. It'd be um, funny if, like, she was, like, on the cusp of, like, launching her business, like, right now, and then, like, this podcast came out and like, <laughs> just ruined everything for her. <laughs> and all our listeners stole the idea. <laughs> Actually, I have to say, like, I don't know I, I don't know who this person was, but I'm going to ask you her name after this is over. I know her name, yeah, but I won't right. share it. No, no, I appreciate that. She's embarrassed. But, but she I, shouldn't be embarrassed. It's a great idea. I have to say, I don't remember this presentation, but I'm very impressed. That was very good. 
Um, Starting from tomorrow, there's going to be color-coded staplers in Australia, <laughs> Switzerland, and Glasgow. <laughs> they're, they're already on back order at Amazon. Can't even get them now. Oh, my God. I really didn't have much to recommend myself. I did see Onward on Disney+. Plus. Oh, uh, I was going to watch that today. Don't, don't yeah. ruin it. Well, no, no spoilers. I think it's very well done. Uh, I would say the marketing for the film did not excite me, to be fair. I didn't really know what the main story was going to be. I mean, the, I think the, the latest trailer had hinted about, well, not hinted, but they overtly showed that it was a journey to get them, the two uh, children, two teenagers to go see their father in the course of one day. And what was nice about it is that there's a lot of heart to it. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite Pixar films, but I definitely think it's a, a good one. Kept me entertained. It's definitely a movie you could enjoy as an adult. That's all. Cool. And I would maybe um, you can add this to the discussion before um, about Roy's idea for uh, windshield wiper glasses. <laughs> Don't steal that. No, what I was thinking to be cool if I offered a, a fun fact of the day about Japan each time. And what I would like to mention this time is, did you know that the majority of bathrooms in Japan, first of all, the the, sh the shower and the bath are together in the same room. And um, when you get out of that room and you go to the sink area of the bathroom and there's a mirror there, the majority of um, bathroom areas in Japan, there's a button that you can push that dehumidifies a square area of the mirror where you can see your face. And so, you know how after you take a shower and then you go to try to use the mirror and it's all fogged up and you can't see your face? Yes. They've probably. completely eliminated that problem. In Very interesting. By heating a square of the mirror. So when you take a shower, you, you turn on that um, button it's just like it's our, right next to the light switch. It's a different switch. And then when you come out of the shower, um, there's a little square that's not fogged up. Isn't that cool? That's very cool, yeah. I like yeah. that. I what guess, do you think what, the reason is? Sorry, what do you think the reason is we don't have that in America? I think it, it goes back to the same reason why we don't have bidets in America. I think um, bathroom culture in Japan is a lot more sophisticated. And um, in the U.S., I think a lot of people are like the definition of um, average middle class is slightly different between the countries. So I think in Japan, most middle class people can afford to live in a place that has those kind of um, pleasantries like bidet and, and a heated mirror. Um, but I think in America, there's probably a lot of people who would rather have or are forced to live without those things just for financial reasons. And then also the fact that now, because a lot of places in Japan have it, it's become the norm. So if you don't have it, it's kind of hard to like sell. If you're like building a new apartment building and you want people to buy it, like you need to have it up to the norm. Well, we had a lot of fun today. Um, thanks for joining us. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover by sending us a message at 
coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail.com. That's coast the number two, coast the number two, and then coast podcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, hate mail, love mail, and thanks for listening. Uh, talk to you all next week.